Clonmel Podcast Christmas Special. Hello, it's Mark here, and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast Christmas Special for this Friday, the 23rd of December, and we're on episode 115. Can you believe it's a year on since the last Christmas special? And how are you getting on, by the way? Are you all organised? No more rushing into car parks, trying to get a parking space? Where was I the other day? I had to go down to Dunstores Davis Road. I swear to God, it was chaotic. So I thought, oh, I'm having none of this. So I turned around and um, went the other way and came back there later. <laughs> Just couldn't be asked, seriously. But welcome to the Clonmel Podcast Christmas Special. This is where we take a look back at some of the guests who joined us throughout the year. Eve Whelan has a Christmas song for us, and we take a listen to this year's blooper reel, which, mm, you guessed it, mainly features me. But let's get underway. And here's the Mayor, Pat English, with a Christmas message for us. Mayor of Clonmel, Pat English here. I wish a heartfelt Merry Christmas to all the citizens of, of Clonmel, and to wish everyone a prosperous and a peaceful New Year. On behalf of the people of Clamell, I would like to thank all the frontline workers, especially those that will be working through the Christmas period and the holiday period, our hospital staff, Garda, council workers, uh, fire brigade, etc. And just to keep a lookout for your old neighbours, people living on their own during the Christmas period. You know, it's a happy time for all of us, but it is a sad time for other people as well. So just be there for those people as well. So happy Christmas to each and every one of you. Thank you, Maya. Now, back in January, our first guest of the year was Ken Horn, who spoke about Deck One Records back in the day, but also working at the ring garage as a petrol pump attendant. The manager was a, a lovely man, still with us, I'm happy to say, called John White. And John took a look at this skinny wretch with an English accent and hair all over the place and said, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll give him a chance. And he gave me, I spent nine very happy years there. Nine years nine at the ring? yeah. And uh, got to know the town, you know, and and survived two petrol strikes. Do you remember those? Wow. Oh, yeah, that was... Uh, what that was, was that like then? I mean, it must have been a case where everyone panicked to fill up, and you were like... Everyone panicked Sweating like up. a pig. <laughs> we, we were down, we were getting threatened. Um, what? Yeah. We have no petrol. You have. You have it. You're giving it to your friends. What year would this have been, Ken? Uh, this would have been... Late 70s, wouldn't it? Yeah, the late 70s, probably 78, 79 around there. I remember we couldn't go, myself and me couldn't go to the pictures. We'd be down in the Regal and somebody in the middle of watching the movie, you know, somebody would tap you on the shoulder and say, We'll be open tomorrow. Will you have any petrol? Were you getting bribed to get some petrol? Any bribes coming No, nobody, nobody thought about doing that. I would have been open to that. I'll be, I'll be resting. Throwing you a couple of punts yeah, here yeah, and there too. Yeah. But, um, We'd have queues going up the Cashel Road up to where the, the new entrance is, up to the, the, the nursing home up yeah. there, up that far. Oh, my I'd God. Be, I'd be sent up with the, st- the sign saying, last car to be served. They'd be throwing rotten fruit at you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it was a stick and run. I could run back then. Oh, <laughs> And it was my. lovely. It was downhill. <laughs> oh, How long did the strike last? I can't remember now. So you were obviously out of work then during the strike. No, 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 because no, we were getting the, the army would come around with, with with tankers every now and again, you know. But it was murder, absolute murder. A guy threatened to put me through the window of the rink. There was a there was a big glass front in the shop there, and he was going to put me through the window because I, I because I wouldn't give any petrol. He was driving a Honda Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> 
John Casey worked at the Nationalist newspaper for many years and had quite a few papers to drop off to people on his way home after work, including the aforementioned Ken Horn. That was one of the things about the National. That when you when you went home on Thursday night, you, you had half a dozen under your elbow and you handed it out to the neighbour and your, your mother or your brother or whatever. <laughs> I listened to Ken Horn's podcast, podcast yeah. there mm. the other day. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. And uh, Ken mentioned all down the rink that, that when, it, when, it, when he was uh, walking down the rink, was, and the green sheet of stamps. At the time, I think you, I think you might get a sheet of a sheet of stamps if you got your car filled up. But I go down on a Thursday night and I give Ken a nationalist, and I get about ten books of <laughs> ten books of green sheet of stamps. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he kept that quiet, John. Oh, I, I. Ken Horn kept that hey, quiet. Ken didn't even remember that. <laughs> Ken had a lot more, thing, more important things than, than that. What did you buy with the green show stamps? Absolutely not. Actually, uh, would you believe... Did you to, where did you bring them? Down to Waterford. Yeah, down to Waterford. I had a shop in Waterford. So you went down there with your yeah, books of stamps? Yeah, we probably got... I know. I mean, Helen used to do all that kind of stuff. You probably got a kettle or a toaster, toaster. or something stupid <laughs> like that. Actually, they were the thing, weren't they? I actually found, I actually found a bundle of them there about six months ago. I was rooting through stuff up in the loft. Mm. I'm sure they're not worth that now. Well, do you know what you should do there? Your throw, daughter Marie. Throw them in no, the fire. your daughter Marie. Yeah, give them to Marie. And, is in the museum. And she can stick them up the window of the put museum. Them in, put them in the museum. Yeah, she'd love that. Isn't it great to see that John still has his green shield stamps? In February, I made my way to Hearn's Hotel and met up with Fergal O'Keefe, who spoke about Charles Byron Coney and his connection with the town of Clonmel. He is um, just the most amazing character. Like, you know, national figure. He walked from Italy to Clonmel. As I say, if you stand at the front door here in Hearn's, you know, here was the headquarters of his, of his transport system. And sometimes I think we kind of forget that, but like... Basically, the headquarters of the first transport system for all of Ireland was from Hearn's Hotel in Clonmel for the whole country. And I always say that if you go to like old hotels like this in the centre of towns around Ireland and you go in, there'll always be a Bianconi suite or Bianconi bar because he used to go to all those towns. It started from here to Care was the first one. It's the first one. Obviously, he saw a niche in the market, all that walking he was doing. <laughs> exactly. He was thinking, come on, there's got to be something here I can do. Exactly. And, you know, he, he was a bit of a character. Like he, It was after the Battle of Waterloo, 1814, when he got the horses on the cheap because you know no way yeah and that's we got those top man yeah and he started that the first one it was from here to care and it was it basically like the stagecoach you know mm. the, the west was you know bringing the um mail and bringing a couple of passengers and he was such a pro like like he was a great marketeer so like he had the first one and you know he wasn't getting much traction so then like he set up on the qt a rival company no so, way did so, he yeah, so then they raced each other and it caught the public imagination who was going to be first to care from here. And it was a race. So that was his company as well, the rivals. Exactly. Clever e guy. Exactly. That's some great marketing right there, wasn't oh. it? And Joe, he was such an amazing guy. Like I said, if you stand at the front door, yeah. you're looking across at the old mayor's office. And he was the mayor for a couple of years. Then you look across the road at Bank of Ireland, which was the National Irish Bank. And he was one of the founders of that. He set, really? up, set up Dublin University with Daniel O'Connell in Dublin. You know, the first Catholic university in Ireland. So, like, 
you know, he's like an international figure, I would say, like an amazing guy. March came along and it was great to see the return of the St. Patrick's Day Parade here in town. And the Clonmel podcast, be it on my own, got to take part with the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History. So we're making our way through the parade. We're now stopped outside uh, the main guard, of course. How can we not know it's the main guard? This seems to be the busiest part of town. There's actually. a lot of crowds. Yeah, great to see the, the amount of people have turned out to see the parade, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's massive. It's great. <laughs> As we've come down outside the main guard, Kevin, great to see the amount of people turned out today. Isn't it wonderful to see everybody back again after two years of a break? It's, it's, it's beautiful and it's great. We've got a great day for it. and. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. That's How's that gun? It seems very heavy. Yeah, it's quite heavy. Yeah, I don't know how they ever really fought with them to be quite well, honest. They and the, and the lot, helmet. A lot, a lot. Got a heavy uh, helmet there as well, me. I noticed. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, the old uh, woolen tunics and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite warm, but yeah, we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> Enjoying the parade? Yeah. What do you think of it? It's brilliant. There's so many groups here, isn't there? Yeah. And the web has really held up for it? Yeah. What's your favourite so far? The DR2. Yeah, and there's more to come down the end. There's yeah. a whole load of people. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Enjoying the parade? You can speak, it's okay. Are you enjoying the parade? Oh, no. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite so far? What are you enjoying? What you do for the girls, the dancing. Yeah, the music. The dance. music is yeah. good. Well, enjoy the day, won't you? Yeah. Okay, take care, bye bye. You enjoying the parade? Yeah, hold on, man. Yeah. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah, you love out. it, don't you? I'm doing the parade. Are you enjoying the parade? Yeah. What's your favourite so far? The, the guns. You like the guns? You're watching yeah. the museum there. You saw yeah, the gun? Yeah. 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 You got to hold them. Yeah. You got to hold the gun. Is it yeah. very heavy? Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. heavy. Yeah. Okay, it's enjoy. A it's a what? It's a replica. Yeah. It is. Still very heavy though, isn't it? Yeah. So that's it's your favourite part. It's the exact same as the actual one. Yeah, it is. The same. It came out. It came out of the museum. Yeah, the gun doesn't chew. No, it doesn't chew. Yeah, it's just a replica. Thank goodness for that. Enjoy your day, okay? Yeah. Yep. Bye. <laughs> Roll on next year. Yeah. Also during the year, we had our Clonmel's Wild Geese feature. Willa Hearn, now living in Australia, told us what it was like socialising in town back in his day. Uh, when I was when I became legal age, uh, I used to go to Gleeson's. Yeah. And then kind of meander my way down the street after like a couple of sherbets and be happy days, you know, and probably end up in Mulcahy's. <laughs> thinking I was, everything was fine, you know. Um, and then later on, then, you know, when you get a little bit of sense, mm. um, I used to, the place I used to go an awful lot was uh, Jerry Chalks. Jerry Chalks. As I said before to people on the podcast, very low ceiling, wasn't it? Incredibly small, but it was great because you go in there and it was just, it was like during Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon was great for sport or a Sunday afternoon was great for sport. And then Saturday night, um, you know, you'd meet all your mates there. And you'd sit in the corner and everybody knew everybody, but nobody would bug anybody, you know, that kind of way. So if you didn't want to talk to somebody, they knew not to talk to you. So it was great. This was when you could smoke in bars, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Remember the smoke in there? It was like a fog when you'd walk in the door. You couldn't see anyone. the low ceiling, yeah. (laughs) But that was great if you were trying to hide from somebody, you know, you could stick in the corner and away you go, yeah. And I gathered you would have gone on either to maybe the Clomel Arms or, or, or Dano's or wherever it was, Barry's or one um, of those, was it? It would have been more Dano's um, and the Arms maybe. And like at, at earlier stage, it was everybody went to Manila. 
you used to flag the bus down and try and jump in and then try and pretend to John Nallon that uh, you weren't drunk or and you were sober and you were definitely over the age of 18 and all this kind of stuff, you know, which I was, of course. Yeah. The old vanilla bus with the one and only Eddie Harris. In March, Phil Guida embarked on a 1,000-kilometre walk cycle to raise funds for Concert, and we kept weekly tabs on Phil during this time just to see how he was getting on. In the end, Phil raised €4,600 for Concert. I'm here outside the credit union. I'm joined by Mary O'Gorman, service manager from Concert, and Susan Joy, childcare and family support worker in Concert. And also Phil Guida. The cheque has just been presented to Concert. Mary... 4,200 euros going to Concert. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing achievement. Well done to Phil. We're absolutely delighted um, with all of the work that Phil has put in, raising funds and more so raising the awareness for Concert. But yeah, incredible. You should be so proud of his achievement. We're delighted. Um, well done, Phil. Great achievement, Susan. Oh, just exactly what Mary said. And the money is just going to go such such good use. We have a new therapy room coming up as well. So thank you so much, Phil. We really appreciate it. And Phil, we've got to ask a question. Have you been back on the bike or walking since you've done the 1,000-kilometre walk cycle for Concert? Yep, I've been walking every day. Not the bike, because the bike is in the Menders at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of a rough ride. Um, yeah, no, I, every day I still do, because obviously I want to maintain this, this old physique. Sorry, I'm only joking. Yeah, no, going back to what they were saying, um, it's, it was just a pleasure doing what I did, you know, um, and I hope to continue raising funds, you know, as, as time goes on for, for the service. And it's a wor- very worthwhile service. And to highlight, you know, the, the plight of, the, of, of, of people and women and the children that they're going through. I mean, €4,200, fantastic amount of money, and also the people who, who donated during oh, your course. Absolutely. I'd like to thank every single person, from the one that gave 50 cents yeah. to whatever money, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's just been a, a, an eye-opener. You know? People have been so encouraging um, through Facebook, through the walks, through just about everything, you know. And obviously with yourself and Jamie, the paper, you know. We look forward to to more fundraising in the future. In the meantime, Mary, Susan, thank you very much as well. Thank you so much. And thank you, Phil. I'm just a a man that likes walking, that's all. And just to say, I suppose, just to echo what Phil was saying, like it's challenging times we're all living in with the rising cost of everything and just a huge thanks to the community, to everybody who's donated in whatever way and I know we'll continue to donate to Coonsera. So thanks very much and thanks, Mark. Thank you. Well done, Phil. And you can hear more of him on the upcoming, that's right, blooper reel. In April, I met up with the guys from Big Band Drumming, Paddy O'Mahony and Ricky Ryan, who also spoke about their days growing up in town. So it's quite funny because you guys, even though you didn't really know each other before Bannerclough Mellor, right, you kind of grew up in the same area. Is that right, Ricky? We would have probably unbeknownst to each other until we were actually in the band. So I was up in Schlieveman Road for many years and Paddy was down the road in Davis Terrace. Terrace. So I suppose I still kept going up there after we moved away from... uh, from Stephen Monroe. Road. Lovely so, area, Ricky, Stephen Monroe. Road. Lovely, great area, great times. Great memories of growing up there. Absolutely. Great adventures had up around the fields and surrounding areas. So, yeah, great times. Great times. The phone box on the corner. The phone box, yeah. You had to be there at a certain time. Take the call or else you were going out on your own that night. <laughs> oh, that was a busy phone box, wasn't it? It really was. It was, yeah. I remember my uncle ringing from America to my nanny 
had to be there at a certain time, things like that, yeah. Great times. Cross Atlantic calls. <laughs> Call cards. Yeah. But, uh, you know, brilliant, yeah. And what about yourself, Paddy? Whereabouts? I know we, we distinguished Davis, Davis, right? Davis Terrace. Davis Terrace, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so grew up around there. Uh, so you weren't too far then from the old dairy building? Yeah, right there? across the road. Actually, you look out my... My man actually still lives there. You look out and you can see the dairy across the road and the old orchards and stuff. So, what's the story with that place? Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it's in because it was an actual. Is it a shop? It was a shop. It was a shop. Um, when I was a kid, we yeah, there was people going in and out there to get their milk and stuff like that. And I just remember the orchards at the back. We used to go in there stealing apples and stuff off the <laughs> off the tree <laughs> when we were kids. And uh, and then um, I think the Nugent family had it, and I think they still have it. Um, and then when it got to kind of like eight, nine, ten, we used the front of their house as a part of the year. It could be Wimbledon. We draw a tennis thing on the ground, and then depending be, what what yeah, was on the World Cup was on, that we could use their wall as a gate or whatever, or as, as a goal. So ah, look, yeah, it, it's because the old sign I think is still above the the shop. Isn't it, it is, yeah, yeah the there, there, yeah. That goes back years and years, years and years, years. yeah. Great days. Liam Ahern from Facebook's Clonmel Stories gave me a very honest interview about his days living on the streets here in Clonmel. I had it here at mm. home, you know, and uh, I left home at 16. Right. So when you're 16 years of age, you have no you have no uh, uh, income. You have no... Uh, I know where to stay. I just... Dennis Burke Park was a place. There was, used to be sheds here. You sleep in these sheds. So you, you slept here in Dennis Park Oh, yeah. Park. I, oh, sure, I ignored it. I was... I was uh, uh, homeless mm. for two years, you know. How did you survive food-wise? Well, to like be that? honest, Mark, I'd walk into Dunn's and I'd pick up a tin of sardines and I'd put it into my pocket. Right. I'd, uh, I'd go down to Drone's yeah. bakery there in yeah. the mornings and I'd, I'd take a slice pan out of the, out of the, the back of the van. Mm, mm. Uh, the cartons of milk were outside the front doors mm. them days, you know. I'm, you're going back into the... I'm going back into the 80s, late 80s then. This was know. to survive. To oh, this was... this was you had nothing. Oh, yeah, this was this was survival for me. Like. Mm. Uh, what we done then, the lads up and back in the drive then used what they used to do. They used to build forts. We used to build a, they built a fort for me. And we that was out in the back at the, at the railway line of Anthony Drive. Yeah, yeah. I used to stay in that. You know? yeah. Like, as I said, I stayed in, in slept forts, sheds, ditches for over two years without a bait, you know. And I got a break uh, when I turned 18. Uh, I wasn't even 18. I was I was couldn't wait to be 18 because I could go down and sign on mm. and I could get some money and yeah. I didn't have to go into Dunn's and yeah. get your sardines and, and so on and so on. Now, in fairness, don't get me wrong, that wasn't always the way. Lads in Brighton Drive used to come out with, with sandwiches. I'd say they did, yeah. You know, that was, yeah. you know, but when I had to do it, I, I had no choice but to do yeah. it. I was not proud of that. But no. you have to you have to feed yourself as well yeah, when yeah. you have no other way. So, but yeah, like, we used, like the lads in Brighton Drive used to build the forts and all that. But, Noel Morrissey, I don't, Noel Morrissey is a is a, a painter and decorator. He uh, he gave me the break. He he uh, took me on as a an apprentice painter, and uh, he had a house down in Davis Terrace, his mother's house, which was left him, and he gave me the opportunity to to rent a room and to give me a trade, and that's I went on from there. On a lovely warm day in May, I chatted to Paddy O'Donoghue, who told me about growing up in the wilderness and the various games that took place there. We had a great neighbourhood up there, like, you know, I had... The community? The, the community itself. Mm. I remember going out playing cricket. What, American, really? American football. <laughs> American football? Yeah, cricket? What's going on up there? We used to be absolutely <laughs> mad. The moors, the rolls, 
I used to have the O'Flaherty's next door to me, uh, the late Cyril O'Flaherty, and I'd be still friends with his son Jamie. The Hawkins would be next door to me, Kitty and Jamesy, they were yeah. my next door neighbours. It was like Smalley's gone, Martin is yeah, gone, you know. Yeah, I worked with Smalley um, years ago. I still see Francie and Lenny around, and you know, but. And Tom. Tom, mm. yeah. Do you know what? They were great times, like, you know, and said all the. There was big families up there, the Duggins, the Greens, ourselves, like, we had a large family ourselves, but everybody got along up there, you know, and I said, like, you get up early in the morning and you'll be out doing something. Yeah. You know, I remember we used to have. My father used to run them, actually, he used to hold them. Um, hurling competitions north of, north of the wilderness versus south of the wilderness no way there'd be some battles really they were brilliant now <laughs> like they were absolutely and you'd have like you could have 13 aside easily we used to drag in a few from Carrigine to play Franny Kelly what's this across, the, across on the green now across was it? on the green yeah. do you know what the soccer pitches I do now? indeed yeah we used to we used to play a lot there like Franny Kelly used to come down and join in legendary Franny with commercials like you know like the, the buzz that was there and then we used to have another little green up in the middle of the wilderness. We used to call it Old Bog Road. But we used to have soccer games where the old Gary Moore, they'd come up and play at uh, College Avenue, all these places. Like Then you go down and you play them. And there were Your mighty games. Like, yeah, the wife, that's what we used to do. <laughs> but sometimes Gary Moore, we'd play Gary Moore in the day and they'd come up in the evening. And we'd have made up goalposts and that. But they were great, you know, brilliant times. Like Fun times in the wilderness. So we went from a lovely warm day to the heavens opening when I spoke to the Premier newspaper's Jamie O'Flaherty, recorded in Clonmel Town's dugout on a very wet day. Jamie told us about his favourite place in Clonmel. Uh, it's probably here, mm. probably here. I love being here. I mean, you know, we had a fantastic match here on Saturday night with our long-term rival St Michael's in the Tipperary Cup. Uh, didn't go our way, but, you know, to see we have a young team at the moment uh, we've been managed this season by Barry Ryan and Levi Whelan, uh, two young guys themselves, first time involved in management, and uh, and they did really well. And you know to be here on Saturday night with a big crowd, uh, St Michael's coming down, uh, game going to penalties, and unfortunately we came out the wrong end of it. But um, but yeah, I mean I think if I could pick any place to be, it would be here uh, when there's a big game on. And you know as well, you know we have such I think we have close to 600 schoolboy and schoolgirl members now and to see them use the complex pitch on a Saturday and you pop in and the place is just alive and uh, it, it's, it's just Great fantastic to see, isn't it? ah, it's absolutely fantastic yeah. you can really hear the rain on that audio there can't you it was teeming down and not one of us had a brolly hope you're enjoying the Clonmel Podcast Christmas special still to come a beautiful Christmas song from Eve Whelan and the blooper reel is on the way but now, here's Dean McGrath, who I met up with in June, telling us a fascinating story about his grandfather. My granddad would have gone at a very young age, I think he was about 12, and he decided he was going to make his way to England from Feathert back in back in the day. Now On his day. own? On his own. This would be around, the, I, I think around, the maybe around the 40s mark. But he got a cattle boat. He always remembers. I always remember the stories he used to tell about getting onto the cattle boat. And I believe it was in Waterford. Don't ask me. He begged, borrowed, and steal mm. to get on to get on these boats to get over to see who was his dad, who was already in London. But he was very much like you had to go over by yourself. So he uh, he got onto the cattle boat, and I remember him telling me how the cat, how, how vividly how it smelled. 
you know, uh, some of the stuff that uh, some of the stuff that the cows were excreting that wasn't Coast, so pleasant, yeah. shall we say. But uh, they landed, and again, by hook or by crook, I'm not quite sure how he managed to get a train, but he got a train and met his uh, and met his father in London. Um, but one of his first jobs, I think he had, t- he had two jobs, and I can't remember which one came first. One of them, he told me, was as a rat catcher. So an old school rat wow. catcher with a club. So he used to go around and basically be paid a few quid because obviously he was small and he was able to go go around these different buildings and try and catch rats that infested the buildings. And the other one was to uh, help out the chimney sweeps because he was so small he could get up if there was anything that needed to be dislodged or anything like that. So he told me a, n- a number of stories about that those particular times. And when you just put it in kind of context of, you know, how remarkable that story is. And he was a very ordinary man. Do you know what I mean? He worked very hard and all the rest of it, but such an incredible story. And it's really a regret that you couldn't write it down. And it's all like it's in my head, but that's how it lives on. And I would hope that I'd be able, if, if I have my own kids or whatever, I'd be able to tell them the same stories. Loved hearing that. A rat catcher. Fantastic. Something I noticed on the podcast this year was when asked, where is your favourite place in Clonmel? The majority of our guests said St. Patrick's Well. Tara Power was no exception. We met there for the interview where Tara also spoke about Mr. T from the A-Team. I got a job on Mr. T's boat. Mr. T from the A-Team. No. True story. What? Yes. How I'm not going to tell you the ins and outs of that. How did that come about? I decided my next adventure was going to be a Caribbean um, mm. Atlantic crossing. Mm. Um, I'm kind of packing all these stories in. This really. is brilliant. <laughs> So I, I said, I, right, I'm going to get this job on this boat. So I got a job on the boat. And you had no idea it was Mr. T's boat. Obviously. No, I didn't know. It was one of these, you know, they charter. Yeah. And um, it, look, at, I'm not going. That's a whole other big long story. But I ended up deciding ca- the, the small cabins and that life was not for me. Mm. And I didn't do the Atlantic crossing. Did um, you get to meet him though? Mr. T. Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh. No. Just say pity the fault. No, all of these stories. I was so close. Bob Dylan, Mr. T. <laughs> Um, but it was back I'll never forget it because I felt a bit like what am I going to do next you know and I my dad at this point they were on the they were moving back to America, uh, to Ireland to Clamell dad was back and my mother was on her way back from Sydney and my sister was back and there was a payphone yeah. on the beach oh. in Barcelona I, I left the boat went down to the dock I went sorry I uh, went down to the beach and uh, I called my dad and I'll just never forget he just said come home out of it that was it. <laughs> just come home out of it. So. Um, and it's funny when your parents say that. You just do it, don't you? You just do it, even yeah, if you are. I think it's what you want to. It's what you want to hear. Yeah, you, you know, know. And it was, it was, it was a good time to to come home and uh, just rethink what was going on. And of course, I came back to Clamell. And uh, where were you living at the time? Taberhina. Taberhina. My grandfather's house. Lovely place, Taberhina. It was. Re- yeah, it's, it's lovely, gorgeous. and yeah, that's again nice. why I think the. Um, you know, coming to Patrick's Well, it was always so close, and I would do mm. my run around Marlefy Lake and come down here. So, um, yeah. I oh, so love the A team. Staying with our favourite places in Clonmel, one of our wild geese guests, Alison Maguire, had some fond memories of hers. I love the wilderness mm. because when we were kids, we were up there every summer, every day, every summer, and um, it was just. We've done the same thing every day and every year and that, but you know, that was that's what was my favorite place, the Giants Rock. We'd sit up there for hours just chatting rubbish and smoking cigarettes that I mean when we were about eleven and twelve and you know, <laughs> back in the day as we did. did. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, I loved it up there. It was just good fun. There used to be a big 
gang of us that used to go up there could be 10, 12, 15 of us. And we'd have, um, I'd have a ketchup sandwich. Oh, uh, some of our- hang on, <laughs> hang on, Alison. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, and, gross. Um, yeah, some, yeah, some of my friends would have butter and sugar in their sandwich. That's not so bad. Which I didn't really like, but that was our lunch. Right. And we didn't, yeah, but we used to drink from the stream up there because it was a flowing stream. That's right. So we used to like have our little cups or even do it with our hands, drink mm. the water out of the stream and just go up there from morning till evening until it was dinner time and then go home. We've done that every day and it was just really, really nice. I loved it. Do you know what? That brought back some great memories. Do you remember doing that when you were a kid, drinking water with your hands from a stream? And sometimes, you know, if your fingers weren't tight enough or your hands, it would just leak out, wouldn't it? At the end of July, the Airball VW Rally came to Powers to Pop, raising money for charity. I popped along to find out more from organiser Louis O'Callaghan. This is the 15th year of the Airball run. We had two years break for COVID. So basically it was a group of like-minded individuals just getting together to decide to do something for charity. So we pick two charities every year. Uh, This year we're fundraising for the Irish Community Air Ambulance and the Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. Um, Basically any money we raise is to split 50-50 between the two charities. Um, To date we've raised over €100,000. Can anyone join the Airball? Yes, every, anybody who has a Volkswagen basically can join. It's no four transits. No four transits. No, I, I, <laughs> it's a Volkswagen. It's a Volkswagen run. Uh, the first, the first year we did Airball, there was split screens and bays. They were kind of the majority of the vans, but you know, down through the years, it's evolved, and we're now onto T5s, T6s. We've a couple of bays with us here this year, and we've one Type 25. Love the sound of that old VW air-cooled engine. One of the guests I was trying to get on the podcast for the last year was Manny Restaurant's Catherine O'Donnell, who eventually gave in after all my nagging, saying, please come on the podcast, please come on the podcast. Well, Catherine spoke about previous places she worked on the podcast and serving a certain celebrity. We weren't too long open in Mr Bumble's, and it was Valentine's night. I actually think it was the first Valentine's night. Extremely busy night, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were full to capacity, and the phone rang, and... Fergal, Fergal came down and he said, Andrew Lloyd Webber is looking to come in. I oh, thought, really? Yeah, and I thought, oh, this is great. Where are you going to put him? <laughs> so when it was a beautiful round table, I was on the top section. Um, as far as I remember, I was on the top section. I, I think Kaya and Teresa were on the end section. If I have it correctly, I'm not 100% certain. But I remember him coming in. Fergal, of course, he made space for him, of course. Set him at the round table. I thought, okay, this is great. We are slammed here now, and he's going to throw something at me, and I am new to this end of waitressing. Mm. So when he was serving him away, and I said, that's it, just treat him like everybody else. Keep the smile on and interacting, because there was no time. We were just busy, busy, busy. And you're fantastic personality, gift of the gab. Oh, you know? I'm telling you, the, it was down. I was saying that I was in tunnel vision, Mark. I, was, like, I can still remember that night really well. And he asked me, there was a split whiskey sauce, on the menu and he asked me what was the split whiskey sauce do you think i knew <laughs> i did not i did not i rambled something i still to this day cannot remember what i rambled was it convincing to him. <laughs> can you believe you but obviously obviously it was that's a great story talented actor paul sheehan also joined me on the podcast during the year and told me about shooting a film in the states during lockdown it was a quick shoot it was less than eight weeks like you know because not that people had places to be, but, course, you know, yeah. there was some people had commitments. There were family, you know, involved and 
that was fine you had to factor that in and then just getting everyone at the same time and but when it worked out it was it was great fun um I hope my landlady never hears this but there's a scene because there's there's basically a a being a demon that's uh taking over people inhabiting people one by one and uh and killing them off and there's a please tell me don't get killed in the film don't spoil it there's a scene I'm not spoiling anything (laughs) (laughs) there's a scene where I have a fight with said being but you can't see it so we had to choreograph a whole scene where I was basically fighting something that wasn't there and managed to split the kitchen table in half while I was doing it I got my deposit back (laughs) but um it was like lovely little challenges like that, just just having a laugh and going, oh 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 wait wait, what if we do this? And I think we can do this. It was play, like it was us playing, and then creating something from it and not being ashamed at all to like just get stuck in and and see what would happen. So yeah, the dark offerings uh, plug Amazon Prime. Yeah, Check it out. that's me sorted for the weekend. Me and my wife <laughs> going to sit down and watch that. I go, yeah, I met Paul there just the other day. <laughs> And that was done during the me. pandemic and in all their apartments <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was uh, it was great fun I shot some of it here too actually because did you they had to do reshoots yeah so we had to use uh, a corner of the living room uh, at home here yeah. in Ireland and try and make it look like the apartment that I was in in the US that must have been quite difficult was it as in getting the same sort of furniture that sort of thing turn the lights off <laughs> You can't see nothing. Just like a little bit of uplight, you know, and just looking all spooky and moody. So where at home was that shot? Uh, in in uh, On Paristown Road. Once again, the title to that film, in case you want to check it out, is The Dark Offerings. There's also a trailer for it on YouTube. Now, we all love the smell of freshly baked bread, and in October, I made my way to Hickey's Bakery to chat to Nula Hickey, who also spoke about meeting Mary Berry and King Charles. Uh, I was contacted um, one August, about three years ago, to, mm. um, from the BBC, since they went to do a programme on the Barn Brack, and it was top secret that somebody might, you know, would so You couldn't tell anyone? Yeah, that they'd be coming, <laughs> and there was interviews beforehand. And, really? Oh, my goodness. They came over to look at the place, and so she came, and it was actually the 31st of October she came. So the bang. Halloween. Just Halloween. So perfect timing. So we, she made bar and bracks with us out in the bakehouse, and she was, oh, my God, like, she's such a wonderful baker herself. So it was a lot of pressure on that day. And, I bet it was. Yeah. But such a, oh, my God, such an amazing woman. Um like her, her recipe books, I would, we'd use a lot of her recipes here anyway. But now the fact that she's been here is just has put us on another mm. level that Mary Berry visited our bakery mm. and it was the only bakery in Ireland that she came to. So we are, you know, we're very lucky that oh, that did happen. Yeah. And um, yeah, amazing. And then of course uh, you met now, and I know we, we recently heard that the, the Queen passed away and now we have King Charles III and you met King Charles as Prince Charles as we well, did. didn't you? Yes. Um, they they visited and Miller Camilla. and Prince Charles yeah. visited um, Tipperary last March, and the Tipperary Food Producers um, Network, of which I'm a member, were asked to put on a farmers market f- for them in at Care Castle. So we had an amazing day out in Care, and um, Prince Charles came came to my little hickey stand, and what did he say to you? Oh, we chatted away, and. Um, 
unfortunately I forgot that he was royalty and he I had the photograph of um, Mary Berry and no myself at the table with me and so he commented on the fact that um, oh you've had Miss Ma- or Mary visiting and I said yes we had that she'd come and made a program with us and then he looked at me and he looked at the photograph and he says you've changed your hair too <laughs> and I bold as brass answered back to him and said um, yes you know your ladies. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. I mean, now the future King of England, the, the present the king, king of England. Yeah, king you know, I, yeah, but yeah, we had the fun. Also in October, October the 31st came, and that meant the Clawmel Podcast Halloween special. This year, we came from Marleyfield Lake, St. Patrick's Well, and also Marleyfield Church. Ten of us did the walk in the middle of the night during a full moon, and we were joined once again this year by Medium and Marie Slavin. This is very much packed. And is Tara? No, Tara. Yourself, Tara? No, it wasn't Tara. It was... Oh, Elaine? No, Maria? Maria, Mm -hmm. you were saying there's a denseness. Very much. You can feel it now. You can feel even your lungs a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. tight because you're trying to breathe. And it's just, you can feel that we're we're packed in here. There's a lot of people here, a lot of spirits here very strong around us. So you'll find that 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 energy is is rising. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're all getting a blessing, even for just coming out tonight and making time to chat to the spirit world. They love this. They love the excitement. We were getting excited. We were coming down. And it's just they love all this attention. (laughs) So yeah, and it's it's powerful. So that's the tomb. That's the tomb. This is where Nicholas White is. It's Nicholas White is saying something about his head. Something happened to him before he died because he keeps on going to the back of the head. He was a very bright man. He seemed to be very very good with sums. And um, do you know why some people in today's society we get labels like? Asperger's, dyslexia. He had something, but they didn't have it in those days. They just, but he was such an intelligence. He, he seemed to be such an intelligent man. But he keeps on saying the back of his head, something about the base. Yeah. 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 Can you feel it? I felt it at the door. Yeah. I just got a, a bang yeah. on yeah. the back of my head. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. But it's not related to me, and I know it's not. No, it's no. not my pain. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, he's just letting you know that he, he's changing the luck of Clonmel. So there is luck changing. So something was put into the water of... Not bad, it's just like a curse or a, something was put into the water. By whom, I'm not sure, he's not telling me. But this gentleman, Nicholas White, White. He, he definitely was some kind of, like, a genius. Just a really good guy. Yeah, he was a very wealthy man, I believe. I don't know how old he was when he passed. I don't know whether he was young, old... I'm getting like a middle age, but middle age sent something about in their late 50s, 60s. That's the age I'm getting. Mmm, very interesting indeed. We now have to think where we can go next year. So there we have it. Just a quick look back at some of the guests I had the pleasure to speak to on the podcast this year. Now, how about a Christmas song? Here's the amazing Eve Whelan.
Wow, what a great version and what an amazing voice that lady has. Eve Whelan, thank you so much for recording that song for the Clomel Podcast Christmas Special. Okay, it's time for the blooper reel. The Clumbell Podcast Blooper Reel. I'm now joined by Michelle Power here at the National London Network. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Michael. That's Mark. Oh, that's me. That's straight <laughs> off. I'm now joined by Kate Twig from when next me week. I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now joined by Kate Twig from Monette. Jeez, I can't say it. I'm now joined by Kate Twig from when next we meet. <laughs> I can't get right at it. That wasn't clear enough. I'm now joined by Kate Twig from when next we meet. Well, um, you can contact me on 086-868-2251. It's bad that you've got a redrawing phone number out, isn't it, Jen? <laughs> You're not going to laugh at me. I thought I'd go blank. <laughs> they can contact me on 086-868-2251. Jen. <laughs> I'm back down the Blue Way, it's Friday morning, and I've caught up with Phil Guida, who's on, I believe, the final stage of the 1,000km walk cycle for Concert. So, how much more have you got to do? About 140. 140km. 140,000. <laughs> got a nearly <laughs> My legs went to jelly. <laughs> so, how far have you got left to go? 140km. Is he, I mean, pick up in now. <laughs> so, Phil, how far have you got to go? 140 kilometres. 140 kilometres. You can see the ending in sight now. Oh, by Joe, I can. The Clumbell Podcast bloopers. Shirley Kirkham. No! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Shirley Clooney. And Serena Kirkham. Yes. There we go, Shirley. There we go. So I'm here at the Old St Mary's Church and I'm joined by Serena Kirby. But first of all, what? Serena Kirkham. Kirkham. I'm at the Old St Mary's Church. I'm joined by Serena Kirkham and also Shirley Clooney. Welcome to the Clonmel Podcast. Firstly, Shirley, what's happening here on Sunday? On Sunday at 11 o'clock in the morning. Can't be touching that now. <laughs> Touch me microphone. You grab the mic. You can't be doing that. You can't grab the microphone. No. <laughs> Fiona, thank you very much. Let's speak to one of the business owners who are part of the network too. Rosie O'Donnell. Sorry. <laughs> the actress. What's going on the bloopers for Christmas? Got you. Got what would you prefer? Just not Rosie O'Donnell. Okay, here we go. Unknown to Anne-Marie, we've taken a detour to the Marlefield Church. We're standing outside the church. Are you picking anything up here, Anne-Marie? No. <laughs> for heck's sake. <laughs> Tom Callery's here too. You've got a bit of history on the River Garden, haven't you? 
Have I? Yeah. Have you mentioned something earlier? What was that? Uh, no, you'll have to yeah, give me a prompt. Yes, uh, <laughs> 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 I was locked up here. Start again, sorry. So, Tom, you've got some history on the River Garden. Ah, yes, we do. I've come to the National Learning Network on the Western Road here in town, and I'm joined by area manager. <laughs> you see, Thank you. For the moment, Jenny Halligan. Jesus, Halligan? For the moment, Jenny Hannigan. <laughs> OK, I'll do that bit again. <laughs> OK, let's wing this and see how it goes. OK, wing it. We'll wing it, OK. <laughs> I know, we haven't started yet. <laughs> I've come to the Clon Milk. <laughs> I know, you're laughing at me before I even start. Sorry, sorry, very sorry. I'm kidding this morning. <laughs> There's a few events coming up as well, I believe. I know Freemans have their motorcycle run, haven't they? Freemans are having a run for us on the 17th of December. And, um, what is that? Oh, yeah. Put your glasses on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And I believe there's a few events coming up for the Soup Kitchen. Yeah, there's one coming up the 17th of December in Freeman's. They're having a food appeal for us. And there's another one coming in Clamel uh, at the Church of the Resurrection. <laughs> it's not, it's called a Christmas coffee evening. Oh, Look! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, just do the, and there's a Christmas coffee evening coming up. We'll go with that one. Okay. Action! And there's a Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even see it. The Clumel Podcast Blooper Reel. <laughs> I know. I'm laughing at myself on there. I'm so, so bad. I really am. That's why my interviews take so long. So that is the Clonmel Podcast Christmas special for this Friday, the 23rd of December, episode 150. I'd like to thank a few people, to the guests who came on the podcast throughout the year. Thank you so much for telling us your story. To some of the people who helped organise those guests, you know who you are. A big thank you to you. To the sponsors who supported the podcast throughout the year, that means a lot. Thank you very much indeed. And to you, the listener, for tuning in week after week, a big thank you to you. Because without you, there would be no Clonmel podcast. And by the way, if you'd like to listen to previous podcasts, go to the website, www.theclonmelpodcast.com. And we are back on the 13th, I think. Oh, dear. It's our Friday. We're back on Friday, the 13th of January. That's got to be a bit unlucky, surely. Have a very Merry Christmas and a happy and safe New Year. And I will talk to you again in January. Bye-bye. The Clumel Podcast Christmas Special with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast. <laughs>